Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Name that tune, yeah. Well, let's see. Let me see if I can look. I can look it up here. 
It's, uh, you, you, would, you wouldn't believe it, but that's actually out of the hymn book. Okay. Uh, let's see, 516, I believe it is. Let's see. See if I can find it here. Like a River Glorious. That's the title of that piece. And like a river glorious is God's perfect peace, over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect, yet it floweth, fuller every day, perfect, yet it groweth, deeper all the way. Stayed up on Yahweh, hearts are fully blessed, finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Amen. Beautiful peace. Let's give her another hand. Amen. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Mark and uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at the miraculous personal touch of Jesus. And we're so glad that you're here today. And also those who may be listening uh, at home, we invite all of you to the Lord's table today to be fed from God's holy word. But let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Our Father and God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the beautiful music. We thank you for the beautiful music created by the beautiful lives of the mothers that you've blessed us with. Lord, in a very real way, each individual mother creates a symphony, a symphony in the family that she leads with her children and ministering to her husband. Father, we thank you for your tenderness exemplified in the lives of the mothers that you blessed us with. We pray for all mothers in all parts, not only of our own country, but in every country of the world. We pray your special blessing upon them today. May they in their hearts come to know you. We pray for those who are lost. We pray for those who have lost children. We pray for those who have given up children. And for those who have taken in children of other mothers. We pray, dear Father, and give thanks that you blessed us with these women who sacrifice, who persevere, who endure, who comfort, who cuddle, who embrace, who kiss the hurts of the little ones. And we give thanks to you, Lord, for your love, exemplified through their lives, on our behalf, and to minister to us. We thank you. We praise you for your loving kindness, your comfort, and your mercy. And we pray, O oh Lord, for anyone listening today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today they will come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, that they'll find hope and purpose, salvation, forgiveness, and the promise of eternal life. Speak to us now, we ask, O Lord. Illuminate our understanding by your Holy Spirit 
to the glory of your dear Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, giving thanks. Amen. Amen. So I'd like you to turn to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at the miraculous personal touch of Jesus in the life of two very special ladies. One who is a little older and one who is a little younger. Amen. And so Mark chapter 5 and the beginning at verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman, who had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians, she had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she had said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered in where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and that something should be given her to eat. And last week we looked at the 
the miracle of the, the demon-possessed man in the land of the Gadarenes. And you'll recall that they had, they had gone over by boat and they, they went through that storm on the Sea of Galilee and then they continued on to the other side after Jesus had, had calmed the, uh, the storm. And then he, he calmed the storm in that Gadarene demoniac's life as well. And instead of inviting Jesus to stay, the people of that region begged him to leave. They rejected him. So they got back into the boat and went back to the other side where they had come from. And as we've just read, as soon as they got out of the boat, Jesus is surrounded by a multitude of people. The disciples are back on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. And even though he's surrounded by, by a multitude of people, he hears the plea of this one man, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. Now, when you read through the scripture, you would think, or you, you, you come to think, that, that there were none of the, of the rulers of the synagogue or the religious leaders who actually believed in him. And here we have the case where at least one ruler, one religious leader, believed. His daughter was at the point of death. At the point of death, and so he had heard about this one, Jesus, and the miraculous things that he had done, and how that he ministered to the people, how that he didn't just talk a good game, but he could actually heal, and he came to Jesus. And notice, now he's the ruler of the synagogue, so he's an important guy. You understand, he's an important person. He has a dignified position. But he's not concerned with his dignity. His love for his daughter takes him to Jesus and he falls down upon his knees and he begs the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, Jesus goes with him. Jesus goes with him, filled with compassion, filled with love, filled with this, this sympathy for this man and his daughter. And so they begin walking. And the people, of course, follow along. But then there's an interruption. Now, can you imagine what is going through the mind and the heart of Jairus? He comes to Jesus and he, he, he begs for him to come and heal his daughter. And Jesus goes with him. So he's filled with hope in his heart. Jesus is going to take care of his daughter. But then this lady comes along. And notice, a woman of faith, that's really what she is. 
She is a woman of faith that's blessed by Jesus. Now this lady has suffered for 12 years with this affliction. A continual hemorrhaging. And I guess things really haven't changed all that much because it says she spent everything she had and she wasn't any better off. The doctors were expensive then too. Things really haven't changed. Now, personally, I think that medical care should be free for everyone. It really should be. A person who is in need should be taken care of. And they shouldn't, they shouldn't come out feeling worse than they did when they went in. But that's my opinion. She'd spent everything and was not cured. And notice what she says. If only. If only. Now last week we looked at a we looked at a at a an experience in the life of the Lord Jesus where when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed if you are willing right if you are willing and that's basically what what she said you'll recall uh, earlier in the same book a leper came to the Lord Jesus and he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And you know the story. Jesus reached out and touched him and healed him. Here, this woman has suffered for 12 years. And she says, if only, if only I can touch his clothes, I will be healed. And notice, she touches, and she is, in fact, healed. She's healed. And then Jesus asks the question, who touched my clothes? Now, it's rather comical when you read through this, okay? Because you can picture the disciples and this crowd of people. And, uh, and Jesus says, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, they respond, <laughs> they misunderstand the whole thing. They're, you know, probably throwing their hands up thinking, there are people all around you. <laughs> You're asking us, who touched you? <laughs> they didn't understand. Someone had touched him in a very special and personal way. So what does Jesus do? Jesus turns around and looks for the woman. And she realizes. She realizes that she's been found out, doesn't she? She thought that she could touch the Lord in a secret way, without, without being known. But as we, as we learned in our Sunday school lesson this morning, even when Jesus was, was on trial and, and being roughed up, being beaten, all of these other things going on, 
He knew what was going on in the heart and in the life of Peter. You'll recall that Peter had denied him three times and the rooster crowed. And the Bible says the Lord turning, turning and looking at Peter and they locked eyes. And Peter realized what he had done and he went out and he wept bitterly. Here's Jesus going through all of that, yet he was still aware of what was going on in Peter's life. Just as God is completely and totally aware of everything that goes on in our lives. Every moment of our lives. The woman came, she fell down before him, and notice she told him the whole truth. Honest humility. Honest humility. That's how we have to come to Jesus. Humbly. And that's why so many people do not know the Lord. They are unwilling to come forward and confess. Humbly. Their need of Him. Yet she came in humility. Now notice Jesus' response. He says, now, what in the world is wrong with you? What makes you think that you could just take it upon yourself and come and touch my clothes? What kind of a woman are you anyway? Is that how your parents raised you? Is that what he said? Is that how he responded? No. And did he, did he call her out to embarrass her in front of the whole crowd? No, he didn't do that either. He actually, he responds to her, he, he calls her daughter. Daughter. A, a term of endearment, for right as she was, for he's the Lord of all living, amen? By calling her her daughter, he's telling her that she is accepted, that she's loved, that she's cared for. Daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. He honors her faith and trust in him. You know, much is said about Abraham. And Abraham is a great man of faith. And the Bible says that that, that faith was accounted unto him as righteousness. But in and of himself, you, you know, he wasn't that righteous. What do we know about Abraham? Yes. He lied. And say, well, it was only a half lie. <laughs> right? or, or a half truth. It was a whole lie because he lied about Sarah. And wherever they went, he said, you tell them that you're my sister, not my wife. Daughter, your faith 
has made you well. And then he goes on and he says, go in peace. Erinae, this, this, it's the idea of, of being in a right relationship with God. A right relationship with God. Being at peace in the mind. He didn't want her leaving knowing that she had basically stolen, if you will, in secret of the blessing of healing. He wanted her to know that she was fully healed and she was completely whole. He didn't want her leaving with feelings of guilt. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, Brother Gary mentioned that that's what the devil does. That is what the devil does. That is what the world does because it's, it's led by the prince of darkness making you feel bad and reminding you often of all of the failures and, and, and all of the ways that you have sinned. Continuously burdening you with guilt. Jesus didn't want her leaving with feelings of guilt. He wanted her to know that she was fully whole and she could be at peace. She was healed and forgiven. It's the tender compassion of our Lord. Our Lord is tender and compassionate. He is loving. I love that word, loving kindness. Over in the book of Psalms where David is writing about the loving kindnesses of the Lord. Our God is, is loving and kind. So he honors her faith and her trust in him. But now, all of this is going on. And what about Jairus? Can you imagine what must have been going through both his heart and his mind? He's thinking, my daughter is dying. Why did this woman have to come along at this point in time? But remember that every person, every individual is important to God. And every single one of us have needs. We have needs. And God knows those needs. And he doesn't overlook our needs. Never once make the mistake of thinking that God is unaware of what is going on in your life. God is fully and completely aware. And just as this, this miraculous healing takes place, the people come from Jairus' house and they say, your daughter is dead. Now could you imagine hearing those words? And we know that he, he loves his daughter he falls down and, and begs Jesus. And here, Jesus is now on the way, but he's interrupted. And now the words, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher any further. The situation is hopeless. He hears the tragic news. Can you imagine the heartbreak? The heartbreak. But notice... Jesus hears the words too. You stop and consider that when people tell you things, God hears what they tell you as well. Everything that someone else says to you, 
God hears. And God, of course, hears everything that we say. God understands everything that is going on in our hearts or in our minds and in our lives. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Instead of being filled with heartbreak, have hope and faith. God's people are to be people of faith. And our hope is different than the, than the hope of the world. Because the world defines hope as, well, maybe things are going to turn out OK. Maybe it's going to be all right. But our hope is Jesus Christ. He is, the Bible says, our blessed hope. Amen. Now notice that he only takes a few people with him. Peter, James, John. Just those three. The privileged few. They will be eyewitnesses of what is about to take place. Now, you know, a lot of discussions are had and scholars go back and forth. But these three were that inner circle. <coughs> the inner circle. They were given the privilege of, of being there to see this miracle take place. So Jesus comes to the home and and there are these mourners. Now, in ancient times, they would hire these professional mourners who would wail and cry and, and just go on and on and on. And this would go on for days. They were disingenuous. They, they did this for a living. Could you imagine having that as, a, as an occupation? To be a professional mourner. Of all the things for a person to cry, I'm going to cry for a living. <laughs> Trying to cry and howl, okay? But he puts them all out. And do you know that the world is, is crying today? There is so much deception, dishonesty. All around us, all around us. Distracting noise. And Distracting noises keep people from being blessed by God. Or, or, or I should say, recognizing that they've been blessed by God. As Jesus put it, God, our Father, causes the sun to rise upon the just and the unjust, doesn't he? He causes the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. He provides seed to the sower. You go on and on and on. All of these wonderful blessings that God provides. And yet the majority of the people on the face of the earth do not believe in him or acknowledge him. Yet he continues to bless. Now notice, Jesus takes the child by the hand. And he says to her in the Aramaic language, Talitha kumi, that is, little girl, 
But he, he takes her by the hand. He, he touches her. In the earlier case, the woman came and, and touched the hem of his garment. And here he, he touches this little girl. And isn't it interesting that the girl is 12 years old. And the woman had the, had the affliction for 12 years. And we can see there also perhaps they're representative of, of a life or of a nation a nation that becomes afflicted and the only hope for that nation just like an individual life is the touch the miraculous personal touch of the Lord and here this this little girl whose, whose life had been lost, the only one who can give life is God himself. Jesus takes her by the hand and he tells her, little girl, get up. And can you imagine the mother and the father filled with tremendous grief over the loss of, of their daughter and here before their eyes Jesus brings her back to life. Can you imagine the joy? Now here's something also because it's, it's an inversion if you will. In the first case the woman came secretly, privately yet Jesus made it public. Here in this case, it was all public. All these people crying and everything else. He puts them out. And he raises the little girl up from death, gives her back her life, and then says, keep it private. There's a time for privacy. There's a time for things being public. Practical confidentiality and provision. And notice what's the last thing he tells them? Remember that God is very practical. Let's give her something to eat. <laughs> give her something to eat. So what do we learn from this passage? First of all, no one, no one is beyond the miraculous personal touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. While a person is still living and upon this earth, they are not beyond the touch, the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, by grace, through faith, seeks to save every single individual who lives upon this earth and to bring wholeness to their life. Wholeness. Sadly, here in the United States of America and probably the rest of the world, people devote their lives to the Benjamins. Is that it, right? All of, it's all about the Benjamins, making, making as much money as you can, canning what you can, and, and sitting on the top of the can, keeping it all to yourself, right? Looking out for number one. 
Because nobody else is going to look out for you unless you look out for number one. All about the money. Secondly, no situation is beyond his power to resolve. No situation is beyond God's power to resolve. Never think for one moment that you're caught in, in a situation that has no resolution. Trust. Trust in the Lord brings healing. Perhaps you've lost a child. God is able to heal and to comfort and to make well. We've all lost someone close to us, parents and others, brothers, sisters, or maybe a child. But our God is able to comfort us. Over in the book of Isaiah, the Lord says, I will comfort you like a mother comforts her child. God is our comforter. And Jesus calls us, thirdly, both privately and publicly. We're not to be closet Christians. Remember that term that used to be used? Now how can you tell when, when, when things are really, really bad morally and spiritually? And I'm talking about spiritually from a biblical perspective. It's when people don't feel that they have to be in the closet anymore. Do you understand? Why keep it private? I can just flaunt it, as they say, because everybody is doing it, and it's okay. Why, the government has even sanctioned it and said that it's okay. But Jesus calls us both privately and publicly. We're to worship him in spirit and in truth. We're to, to worship him privately. Jesus said when you, when you pray, to go into your own little closet. Not to hide from the world because you're doing something wrong, no. But to enter into this intimate communion with God the Father. And then he said, who will reward you openly? Like he did this woman who came to him secretly. And then fourth, the, the miraculous personal touch of Jesus in our lives is to be a blessing to other people. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about that storm and there were other little boats. And uh, many writers, scholars say, well, why did they even include that? Well, it's important. Because you see, when Jesus calmed that storm, they also experienced the blessing of being on a sea that was calm. And we are to be blessings wherever we go. Now hear that one more time. Wherever we go and with whomever we interact, we are to be a blessing to them. 
or rather God through us is to be a blessing to every person we interact with. Consider God in the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us and he seeks to bring all people to him to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're standing there in front of that counter and you're giving that person a hard, a rough time, just think and remember that God hears it as well. And yet, you may be standing in front of that person in that counter so that you can reach out, or rather, so that God can reach out through your life and touch them. You believe that God speaks to you and can speak through you? Yes, he does. Or you say, well, God didn't speak to me. How in the world did you know that you needed to be a Christian if God didn't speak to you? If God himself did not speak to you and put it upon your heart to become a Christian, you would not know him. And he, he speaks through us. The personal touch of Jesus in our lives is to be a blessing to others. Service that results in glory to God. And lastly, there is no substitute for the miraculous personal touch of Jesus. He is the sovereign Lord of all. And we are to live our lives in that truth, acknowledging that truth. Like those young Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace. Before being thrown into the furnace, the king said, no, 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 maybe, you, you, maybe you misunderstood. So I want to give you another chance. Okay. And, and these were young men. They said, no, we didn't misunderstand. We didn't misunderstand at all. We're not bowing down to you. We bow only to God. And our God is able to deliver us if he so chooses, if he's willing. There's that if only. If he is willing to deliver us, he'll deliver us. But if he chooses not to deliver us, we're still not going to bow down to you. And you know the story. They threw them in there. And then when the king looked in, he said, didn't we throw three into the fiery furnace? I see a fourth one, and the fourth one is like the Son of God. We're to live our lives knowing full well that God is sovereign, Lord. Lord of every life, Lord over every situation. Begin a new life with Jesus today. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Trust and obey. Amen. Like this woman who came to Jesus. Like the synagogue ruler who came to Jesus. Sorry. All right. We Well, at least she's reading the Bible. <laughs> Amen. Now, the most important, the most important part of the service is actually right now. This is actually the most important part of the service. 
the invitation because it's, it's God's invitation to you. Maybe you're wondering, well, what do I do to become a member of the church? You come forward and you, and you, you share with us your desire to serve the Lord in this church. We'll ask you a few questions about your relationship with, with the Lord. Maybe you've accepted Jesus as Savior, but you've never been baptized scripturally. You come forward committing to be baptized. Or maybe you've never really given your heart, your life to the Lord. You come forward and ask to be led in that prayer, accepting Jesus as Savior. So as we sing, you come forward. You make your decision. And if you're there at home or in your, in your car, stop and invite Jesus to come into your heart right where you are. Let's stand, please, as we sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.